with one another. Does that make sense? And I think that's one of our values. It's one of the things we've actually been quite good at, but it's worth restating every now and again. It, it's kind of more, more felt than tell, isn't it? It's more modelled, actually. No, nobody at the festival did a talk about being honest with one another. They were just honest. They were just real about life and the face, things they were facing, the challenges. So I want to talk this morning about being real, what you might call, if you like a longer word, authenticity. Being real. What does it, what it mean? It, it, it means we're looking for an internal and an, an inside and an outside transparency of who we are. Some of you who are really old will remember um, Ishmael. Hands up if you remember Ishmael. Hey, oh, you're, you're older than you look. Anyway, some of you, some of you will remember Ishmael, and, and I had the privilege for a number of years being on his team at Spring Harvest. I was, I was a glory team leader. I know, it's all that bouncing. It's hard to imagine that I did all that. But anyway, I was fit and young and silly, and it was great fun. And, and, and you know, one of the things that I most liked about that particularly, particular leader is on the stage in front of five or 600 young kids, or on the main stage doing an interview, or on the songs of praise, or down the pub or in a Chinese restaurant, he was exactly the same. And I think that's one of the reasons people were attracted to him. Just was a top bloke. Just a really nice guy. No airs and graces, just real. That's what we're talking about, an authenticity, and where what is on the inside is more or less the same as what's on the outside. There's an integrity, an honesty about us, that what people see is what they get, down to earth. I don't mean rude when I say that, by the way. Some people say, you know, he calls a spade a spade, and they just mean he's rude. I don't, I don't mean being rude. I mean being honest and authentic and open, consistent, honest about who we are. Jesus said something. I don't know if you've ever noticed it. In Luke 8, verse 15, in, in, the, parable of the, um, in the parable of the sower and the different seeds, he said the good soil were those who, have, who retained the word with a noble and good heart. It's an unusual phrase, isn't it? There's something about their heart condition. They're, they've got a good heart. They're, they're noble. And we want to be a, a church where not just the leadership, but all of us have, have a, an honest and good heart. A good heart doesn't mean we don't make mistakes because the person that doesn't make mistakes has not been born yet other than Jesus. But, but no, it doesn't mean that. It just means we've got an open heart, a good heart. Now, why is being, being real, I call it, why is that important? Well, the first reason it's important is this, is the alternative is very bad, if you just stop and think about it. The alternative to being real with each other is very bad because it means being unreal with each other, doesn't it? It means being a people of pretense, where we pretend about this or that or the other. And that's, that's not good. It's possible to have just a, a sort of veneer of not even real Christianity, of Christi- Christian lightness a bit, just to have a little veer, just on the outside only. But that's just an image, isn't it? That's just a sort of stylistic thing, but it's only skin deep. It's easy to slip into that, but we don't want to. We don't, we don't want to live that kind of Christian life. It is possible to be a Christian for many, many years, but not be real about your life. Not let other people near who you really are how you really feel, what you've really done or what you really think. 
I was in a small Baptist church many years ago. I saw it on Facebook this morning, funnily enough. Uh, we're back to ABBA playing in the background in the 80s. Hey, don't disrespect ABBA. Ooh, steady. And um, we're, uh, a guy joined our church. It was very small. It became big and planted other churches uh, later on. But we'll call him Tim. And, and Tim came, and he was the sort of person that you thought, goodness, there's, there's something that weighs you down. Don't know what it is. It's fine. He came to church. And then we got to a church meeting on one occasion when he asked, excuse me, could I say something? And, um, and he stood up and he said, Hi, you, some of you have met me. My name's, my name's Tim, and um, I just feel the need to be honest with you. I know it's not normal to do this in, in, in a church meeting, but, but uh, this is my wife, Daisy. It wasn't her name. It wasn't Tim either. Uh, but, uh, and I just want you to know, a few years ago, I made some very big mistakes, and I ended up committing adultery. And I, I'm, I, God brought me back. I'm reconciled with my wife, but I, I didn't want to live a lie amongst you. I, w- I wanted you to know the truth so you can pray for me and you can pray for us. Whew, it was a, not a dry eye moment because that took a lot of courage. And I'm not suggesting we all do that. I don't want a big cue here, okay? This is not the time or the place. But, but he was a guy being very real and raw. Now, not... Praise God, we haven't all got necessarily something that big. But what an example. And the interesting thing was, the first people forward to give him a big hug were the elders of the church and thank him. And then they led us in prayer. And afterwards, there's a long queue of people shaking hands with him. And he became, in time, an excellent leader. He led all the administration in that church and, and other churches. He became a good guy. He was felt able to do it because he'd had a, he'd had a reality moment. A very respectable guy, big job in London and all the rest of it. He felt he wanted to be real. There's a power. The alternative is, he said, I don't want to live, live my life wondering what, what if one of you goes somewhere and finds out. That, that, that there's something in my past. I don't want anyone to know. I've got to keep it quiet. It's an interesting verse in James 5 verse 16, which us sort of more Protestant Christians shy away from because we, we don't like the idea of going to a priest to confess things. And that's right, because Jesus is our great high priest. We confess to him. But James 5.16 says this, Confess your sins to each other. Interesting, isn't it? It's an interesting, just to throw a thought out there, or a hand grenade. When, when was the last time you confessed a, a mistake, or a sin, or a weakness to someone else in the Christian family? Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. There's something about opening your heart up and being treated carefully and respectfully and prayerfully that brings healing. Whether that's physical or or, or emotional or to do with what's happened in the past, what's been done by you, what's been done to you. Here's a question. Who, who knows the real you? I know I'm an onion. There's lots of skins. But, but, um, but, but who, who, here's, here's another one. Who could ask you anything? Who, who, would you, who would you let in to the deep parts of your life? See, re- real can't happen if we just pretend. We've got to learn to love reality with all, all the mess of that. With all the, the tears and the snot and the fears and the doubts. With all of that, we have to learn to love 
reality. See, the alternative to reality is bad. In fact, the root of the word hypocrisy, the Greek word, means putting on masks. You know, the ones on the stick. Putting on a mask. Pretending to be what we're not. And the opposite is integrity. Being honest and real and authentic. So the first reason it's important is because the alternative is, is bad. The second reason is it's really powerful. That guy, Tim, and all of that, it was a really powerful moment for him, for the church, for other people who had other things in their own past. So creating an environment where it's okay to be straightforward, where it's okay actually to have a struggle going on, is really a powerful thing. Saw lots of that at at the camp last week. People, it was an atmosphere of safety, where people could be very vulnerable. But it doesn't matter if it's there or after a football match on a Sunday night or at Dines Green on a Sunday evening or in a home group. It doesn't matter where it is, but, but making context where we can be honest, where we can pray. It might be a cup of coffee with a friend. It doesn't really matter where. See, the power of hidden stuff is broken as you bring things into the light. In fact, the word occult, bit of a Greek lesson this morning, the word occult, the root of, root of that just means hidden or secret. Hidden stuff has power over us. Bringing stuff to the light, sometimes just being honest about it, halves its power. It breaks it somehow, bringing things to light. See, bringing things to the light can lead to confession, can lead to forgiveness, can lead to repentance or prayer. Being cleansed from shame. So being real is powerful. The Apostle Paul said this of his own leadership in 1 Thessalonians 1 verse um, 5, if I can find it. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 5. When he wrote to the Thessalonians, he said, Our gospel, our good news about Jesus came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. So there was the preaching and there was the ministry. But he's also saying, but, but you know what we're like. You, you know the kind of people we are. There was an integrity and honesty and openness. Real is powerful. Real also brings joy. Sometimes not in the short term because it could be hard to be real with each other. But Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13 verse 6 says, love rejoices with the truth. There's something about being honest with one another that enables joy. See, projecting a perfect image, which I've never been any good at, but it's, it's really hard work, isn't it? Really, really hard work. It's a huge burden. It takes you of all your energy, really, and it robs you of joy. Whereas sharing your burdens and pressures and even failures brings a sense of relief and, yes, even joy finding someone where someone to say actually I feel totally overwhelmed is a relief even if nothing in your circumstances change it's a huge relief saying actually our family life is so pressured I'm really struggling is a great thing because someone can pray for you support you help you Saying, actually, I'm, I, I'm struggling with this, I'm addicted, I'd like to be free, but I, I don't seem to be able to get free. Can you pray for me? Is a good, good thing. Saying, actually, I've been putting my bills in the drawer and hiding them from my wife, 
is a good thing. It's not good you've been hiding them, that's bad. But it's good you've been honest. Because then you can get it out, face it, get help. It enables us also to love the real person. Not some mask. It's a really important and joyful thing. And that brings us on to living in reality with each other means we start to learn to love one another. And Jesus said that's the greatest command of all, didn't he? Let me read you John 13. John 13, verses 34 and 35. A new command I give you, says Jesus, love one another as I have loved you so you must love one another. By this command, everyone will know that you're my, my disciples if you love one another. When we're real with each other, it gives us opportunity to love in, in new ways because we've learned more about the real person. What does Paul say in Galatians 6 verse 2? Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you'll fulfill the law of Christ. So Jesus says he's got this new law, love one another. What does that look like? We're not sending each other hearts through the post. Well, some of you might be, I don't know. No, no. What does it mean to fulfill that law, to love one another? Well, he says here, it's actually carry each other's burdens. How, how could you carry, help carry my burden if you didn't know what it was? You can't. You can only fulfill the law of loving one another if we're prepared to be open enough and say, hey, I'm, I'm struggling with this. I'm, I, I actually, I'm finding that a bit much. Now, he goes on to say in the same chapter, verse 5, each one should carry their own load. So it's not saying, hey, I, I could do with someone doing everything for me. No, no, we all carry up, we've all got our own responsibilities. We're supposed to carry, be responsible for our own lives. That's a good thing irresponsible take some responsibility for goodness sake but we're not supposed to carry things that are too big for us on our own we carry each other's burdens that's a lovely balance isn't it so sometimes we're struggling and someone will come to us and say richard jim come on take some responsibility for that hang on oh yeah all right but sometimes you might come and say hey i see you're struggling with this can i help you for a while you see, that's, that's the Christian life, being real with each other, carrying each other's burdens in that way. It fulfills the law of Christ. We're not meant to carry unusually heavy burdens on our own. They're supposed to be shared. And to share them means we've got to be real. And actually, it makes church a more fun place to be. Because we start where we're at and we help one another. Peter said this in 1 Peter 4 verse 8. Love covers over a multitude of sins. That's a great verse, isn't it? I don't think I put that on the, up on the screen. But anyway, 1 Peter 4 verse 8. Love covers over a multitude of mistakes. If we learn to love one another. You see, the requirement to reach a certain standard, which is often why we don't share things, because we think, what will people think of me? I've, I'm struggling with this, or maybe I shouldn't be struggling with that. It's other people cope with that, and I don't seem to be able to cope with that. And, and then we get, we get in a, what my mother called it, a tiz. We get, technical term. We get in a tiz. <laughs> but, but no, actually, hear this. The requirement to reach a certain standard has already been met in Jesus. That's really important. The requirement to get to 
whatever you imagine this Christian standard might be, whether it's there, there or there, I don't know. That requirement has already been met in Jesus. He lived the perfect life. You don't have to. Isn't that a relief? Ah, just take it in. It will lighten your load. The requirement to meet a certain standard has already been met in Jesus. The Bible says he is our righteousness. That's a big relief. I don't, the book says in the book of Romans, I don't have to go about trying to establish my own rightness. I've got his rightness put onto my account when I trusted in him. That's where actually the call to be holy starts from. He's already cleansed me. I just walk through life with him. I can take the masks off and he'll help me step by step, making me more like him. And Jesus himself is full of truth. He's our great example. John 1 verse 14, that he came as the word of God, a full of grace and truth. He was authentic, Jesus. That's why people, all the people, apart from very religious people, love Jesus. Because he was completely honest, completely truthful, but always gracious. Some of the people most proud about truth are actually a bit cutting sometimes. You think, ouch, I know that's true, but really? Jesus was full of, as full of grace as he was of truth, as full of truth as he was as grace. He was always real with people. That's why people love to be with Jesus. People should love to be with us as well because we're real, we're authentic, we're just forgiven. We're just filled with his spirit. So reality means learning to love like Jesus. It brings joy, it's powerful. The alternative is really, really bad. So we're getting to the end now. I just want to bring a few applications. And the first is, let's be real with God. Particularly about our sin. Now we're big on church, as a church, on, on the grace of God and his forgiveness of, and love. And that's great. So what I'm encouraging us to do is take advantage that makes sense? Let's be honest to, with God about our sin. Let's not hide anything under the table. King David, after he'd committed adultery, came to God. It's all recorded in Psalm 51 and said, God, I've sinned before you. Cleanse me. Lead, lead me through this and then I'll teach other people how to avoid sin as well. Honesty with God. Do you remember Peter denied Jesus three times, did a lot of cursing and swearing in the process. And, and, and he thought... He wept bitterly, but he thought it was the end of his friendship with Jesus. I don't know if you've ever let Jesus down like that. Maybe some of us have. Maybe some of us have done something and we think, that's it. Me and Jesus have got to be through now. He, he won't want me after this. And then Jesus came to him and they started all over again. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Be, being real about sin doesn't mean being perpetually miserable woe is me kind of thing no it's coming to God and being honest and saying God I've messed up again please forgive me I, I, I don't want anything to do with that sin cleanse me help me in fact there was an occasion in the Old Testament where the people of God discovered they'd been sinning in Nehemiah chapter 8 and they're all weeping and, 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 and he goes amongst them and says don't weep it's great that you've been convicted of sin it's great the joy of the Lord is your strength 
And he, he calls them, they're all convicted and crying, and that's all well and good enough. But he said, really, you ought to be happy that God's shown you your sin, and now you've repented. It's a day of joy. That's a bit funny to our thinking, isn't it? But that's what he said. It's a great thing. It's a happy thing when God convinces you of a sin, you confess it, you receive forgiveness. Wow, thank you, God. That's a wonderful thing. Let's be honest to God when we sin. Let's be real with others. See, there's a lie that some of us here would have received, which is this. It goes something like this. If I'm honest with him or her, they won't like me. Ever, ever fallen prey to that one? It's a lie. I just want to say, it's a lie. The truth is, until you're honest about who you are, they can't love the real you. Do you, do you see that? They're, they're loving... They're loving some pretend you. Not just take a risk. Until, until you're honest, they love a, quite a form of you, a bit of you, but show them more of you, they'll love the real you. It's a lie that if you're honest, they won't love you. So we want in, in Hope Church to have a culture of honesty, of reality, without any rejection. One of the pleasures of the last few years of my life is actually meeting with Jim. I know it's hard to believe it, but there you go. Because every week we can, well not every week we share our vulnerabilities. We're not that wet, but we do quite often. Quite often we'll say, oh, God, fed up with this. Or actually, I'm really struggling with that. That's to have those relationships within a church is a real joy. It's a, it's a strength to admit your weakness. That makes sense? It's a strength to have people with whom you can be real and honest and say, I'm struggling with this. Can you pray for me? I, I, love, I love our breaking the bread time. I know we do it different to some other churches. That doesn't matter. But one of the reasons I love it is it's an opportunity. If you want to cry, you can cry. If you want to pray for someone, you can pray for someone. If you're having a week that's, I don't know, poo, Sorry, you'll have to say that in a preach. I couldn't think of an appropriate word. Anyway, you know what I mean. If you're having a week that's like that, you can tell someone. And they can say, I've had weeks like that too. Let's pray together. That's a great, great opportunity and a great strength. Be real with others. Just, just because I mentioned it earlier on as well. Be, if, you're, if you're married, be truthful about money with one another. I don't know, I just felt to say that. Be, be truthful. Be honest about, about where your finances are, about what you've got, about how you're spending it, about what bills are coming in. Be honest about how you're living with one another. It's a, it's a good principle. It's a good principle for a church as well, to be honest and open about finances and how, how it's spent and what it's gone on and accounts available and all of that sort of stuff. Be truthful about money. And lastly, keep your word keep your word when you say you're going to do something do it or if you can't do it at least say look mate i'm sorry i'm struggling with this could you could you let me off that be be truthful as much as possible there's a lovely verse i found in psalm 15 verse 4 god dwells with the man who keeps his word even when it hurts and doesn't change his mind Isn't that a lovely verse i like that god dwells with the man who keeps his word even when it hurts and doesn't change his mind. And, and in Jesus, we've got the best example of that, haven't we? 
someone that said, I'm going to the cross. And it says he set his face like flint, like stone. Others were saying, no, you can't go there. You shouldn't do this. No, I I will not change course. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, God, I don't want to go to the cross. If it's possible, could I go some other way, but not what I want? I've, I've said I'll do it, so, uh, so I'll, I'll keep my word. Cost him his life. Let's be like Jesus, shall we? Full of grace and truth. Amen? Amen. Let's just pray. I want particularly to pray. Um, it's not about guilt. It's about just for some who, you know you've forgiven your sins, but you feel sort of slimed by what others have said or thought about you. And um, just want to pray for you. Because the Bible says if we confess what's happened, he, yes, he forgives us our sins, but he also cleanses us. He washes us from all the mucky stuff. So God, I, I pray for any here this morning who they've maybe become a Christian asked you to forgive all their sins but feel frightened of what others think of them or even themselves feeling slimed unclean thank you Lord that you not only forgive us our sins but you cleanse us from all unrighteousness I pray Holy Spirit will you just wash us even now those of us that have had things done to us, things have happened in our lives where we feel dirty, feel other people will think this or think that. Thank you, Jesus, that you think the world of us. Thank you, we don't have to reach a particular standard. Thank you that you cleanse us from all the gunk, cleanse our consciences. I ask you that we would know that deep in our soul, even now. Come Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you are changing us bit by bit. Thank you for uh, making us into a church family of three congregations. Thank you that in each of those congregations we can be ourselves. Thank you that you're changing us bit by bit to be more like Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, we're going to finish there this afternoon.